in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. When you go to lunch with your friends and they ask you, what did your pastor preach on? You can say he read a bunch of names, a whole bunch of names. Why am I reading a bunch of names? Have you ever been to a... um, like a building or an amusement park or something where they have those bricks that they sell and then you, you get your name lasered on them and then they put the bricks all out. And uh, like as you walk over, have you ever read some of those names? Like in memory of sometimes or you have, you have this, this, this incredible story behind every brick, right? And it's important enough for those people to spend money to help some project to put that brick down, right? Well, in Nehemiah chapter three, Nehemiah writes, and this is their bricks. Each person that we're going to read, if it was important enough for God to put it in his word, then I think it should be important enough for us to read it. Okay, so bear with me because I'm gonna slaughter half the names. They're gonna be awful. And just for the simple fact that you probably have never read this chapter word for word, you follow along with me as we read this. You might not ever read it again, but in it, as we're reading it, there's these little nuggets that we're going to find that we're going to discuss at the very end. It's not going to go long. I just want to share a couple of thoughts as we read this. But I think that this, as we look at the word of God, I think that this is the, these are the names that we're going to meet in heaven that sacrificed, that made a commitment to do something, to be a part of a vision, and then took action. And there's going to be one, 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 one person, one group of people that didn't, and they're going to give an account. So Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, are you ready? So buckle up, here we go. Be merciful. I did this at the 8 o'clock. I've listened to it, I've prepared it all week, and I still flubbed the name. So we're going to go for it anyway. Then Eliezer, the, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to him, Zachar, the son of Emery, built. The son of Hasanahah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, and the son of Ura, son of Hakags, repaired. And next to him, Meshulim the son of Berachah, son of Meshazabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Banna, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Jehoiada, son of Basha, of Meshem, the son of Besoda, repaired the gate of Yashana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars, and next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jaden, the Betharite. 
the men of Gibeon and of Mezbah, the seat of the governor of the providence beyond the river, next to him Uzel, the son of Herath, goldsmith repaired, next to him Hananiah, none, one of the perfumers repaired. That's Bill MacArthur's favorite part, the perfumers working. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to him, Raphia, the son of Hur, ruler of the half, the district of Jerusalem repaired. Next to him, Jadadiah, son of Haram, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hadish, the son of Hashabeniah, repaired Malachiah, the son of Haram, and Hasab, the son of Pathamoab, repaired another section, and the tower of the ovens. It must have been hot. Next to him, Shalah, the son of Hasheth, ruler of the Hash district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. That's my favorite part. Um, Hannah, the inhabitants of Zana, repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. That must have been a stinky job. Malachi, the son of Rachab, ruler of the district of Betha-Harakaram, reached the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kolhazah, ruler of the district of Mezbah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars, and he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of the half-district of Bethzar, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool, as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired Raham, son of Bani. Next to him, Rashiba, ruler of the half-district of Kela, repaired for the district. After him, their brothers repaired Bava, the son of Handad, ruler of the half-district of Kela. Next to him, Azer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Barak, the son of Zabia, repaired another section of the buttress to the door of the house of Elishib, the high priest. After him, Merimeth, the son of Ura, the son of Hakugs, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishib to the end of the house of Elishib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azura, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benin, the son of Hadid, repaired another section from the house of Azura to the buttress and to the corner. Pala, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Pedia, the son of Parish, and the temple servants living of Ophel, repaired to the point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekodites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. 
Above the horse gate, the priest repaired each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemiah, the son of Shekiah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shemielah, Hanun, the sixth son of Zeleth, repaired another section. After him, Meshalem, the son of Barak, we're in the home stretch, repaired opposite his chamber. Verse 31, after him, Melech, one of the goldsmiths repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner and beyond the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) I need it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth. Thank you that Nehemiah took the time to write these names for us so that we would have an account of who did what for your kingdom and the kingdom of Israel at this time. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would teach us your word here in the next few moments. You would teach us what you want us to learn from this, Father. Some great truths here, Father. Some great nuggets, Lord God. Help us to take these and to use them and to teach, Father, us from these men and women. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us not to be hearers of the word only, but help us to be doers. And as always, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Nehemiah chapter 3, pull out your notes. It's going to go quick. If you're a Christian, then you're already a part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of the kingdom of God. We live in the now and not yet of the kingdom, meaning we live together unified as if Jesus is our king now, because he is. Jesus Christ is our king. And so how, how do people in the kingdom act? Let me share this with you. We forgive when we should hold a grudge. We love when we probably should hate. How do people in the kingdom live? People in the kingdom live as if Jesus is king now. So if Jesus from the cross looks down on the people that put him there and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, we also ought to forgive. Because Christ is our king, and we love our king, and because we love our king, he affects, we want to be like our king, and he affects the way that we live. Does that make sense? So I love my wife, and my wife and I are dating, and my, my wife lets me borrow her car, and this is when we're dating, and I love this woman, and I want to marry this woman, and her tires are bald. And so I did the most romantic thing. I drove to Sam's Club. I got her four new tires, and I said, huh? She didn't care. She had no idea. No, she was appreciative. Why? Because the investment that I made in that moment had a far-reaching impact later on. It's the fact that I loved this woman and she had a need and I wanted to meet it. 
And we always put our money where our mouth is, what we love. You give to what you love. It won't take long for me to determine what you loved if I had a, a statement, a, a, a credit card statement or a debit card statement of everything that you spend your money on. We give to what we love. We spend money on what we love. We give our time, talent, and treasure to what we love. And it doesn't matter what we where we come from, you're a part of something bigger than yourself, and that's the kingdom of God. And so with that in mind, let's look at the kingdom of Israel and how Nehemiah, God had given Nehemiah a vision to rebuild the wall for Israel and Jerusalem. And so if you're taking notes, there's three things that I want you to see that should call us to action. The first one is this. The people of Israel lived around the area but ignored the mess of the broken down wall. But God used Nehemiah to give them a unified vision or a common vision. They had one vision. Just as God has given our pastor a vision to see 10 20, 30 campuses globally of people proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ long after we're gone. We have a residency program with residents that are right now in their early 20s that are God has called to ministry that we're in the process of developing for these future campuses. God has given us not just this generation, the next generation. We're praying that God gives us the next 20 generations if he doesn't come back. Jesus, come quickly because I want you to come back. But we have a common vision, and it's not just to raise money. It's to plant gospel outposts all over to see the gospel of Jesus Christ going out. We're already in the process of doing that. All we're looking to do is accelerate some of this as best we can. Vision without action is nothing more than a dream. So that's the process. So, so Nehemiah had a common vision, but he had to call the people to action. And so what did he do? He called the families together and said, come on, let's do this. He called everybody together. And that's number two. The people of Israel were very different builders. They were men, women, multi-generational, multi-neighborhoods, rep, multiple neighborhoods represented. God used whatever they could do and whoever they were to accomplish the mission or the vision. This is where we get into the good stuff that I love. He had men from Jericho come up, from another city, to build these walls that they weren't even going to live in. I love verse 5 when it says the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. They're going to give an account for that. I love that the goldsmith, Uzel, the son of Haran, in verse 8, goldsmiths repaired this wall. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired the wall. The goldsmith didn't go, you know what? I don't work with rock. I only work with gold. No, he said, this is, this is my section. I'm on it. The perfumers, psh, 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 psh. I'm sure their section smelled really good. 
But they're like, this is our area. All right, we're going to build it. But my favorite is verse 12. Next to him, Shammah, the son of Halish, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Come on. Can I hear it? Here's the thing. He's like, there's like, my daughters are just as good as your boys. Let me show you how. This is our section. All right, we'll do it. He and his daughters did it. I've got two daughters. They're super tough because they have a super tough mom. They would, they would do it. They would probably be in competition with their brothers. But they didn't, he didn't go, you know, I don't, have any, I, don't have any, I don't have any sons, so give me a small section. I think they got the sex, same section as everybody else. And they probably built it better. The section, so archaeological, they've undug some of the Nehemiah's wall. They found some of Nehemiah's wall. I bet it was the daughter's part. Still, still good. I bet that's the part. I'm not, I'm, I, that's total speculation. It's not in the Bible. But the archaeologists found some of this, and that's, I bet it's the part that the daughters did. They rebuilt 11 gates. I'm sorry, 10 gates. 10 gates. I mean, they had to get the materials. See, they were bur- all the gates were burned up. They had to reset its doors, its bolts, its bars. They had to repair the wall. I mean, I'm not talking just like a little wall, like a little brick wall. We're talking a thick, thick, thick wall. Ten gates. I always look at when I'm looking at Scripture, where are the, where, where's the Christ imagery? There's so much Christ imagery in all of this, but the fact that these people rebuilt ten gates, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the ancient gate, the valley gate, the dung gate. I'm sure it wasn't made of dung. That's question. Fountain gate, water gate, horse gate, east gate, inspection gate. But the IRS stood there. Um, it, it, it's 10 gates. And when you're looking for Christ in the Old Testament, when you're reading the Old Testament, always look for the imagery of Christ because Christ is all through the Old Testament. Okay. But I love John, and this is a quick one, and there's so much more, but John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. And anyone that had to get into Jerusalem, they had to go through the gate, a gate. And Christ is saying, I'm the gate. The only way we're going to ever enjoy eternal, the, the new Jerusalem, is through the, the, the gate, through Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they took their time to rebuild those gates. And what's interesting is the sheep gate, they consecrated it. Why? Because this was the gate that everyone was going to go through to get to the temple to make their sacrifices. They had to go through the gate to sacrifice their sheep for their sins. And they consecrated it, beginning that the holiness of God wouldn't start when they made the sacrifice, but that they would be walking in holiness once they walked through the gate. That holiness begins not just when we have eternal life when we die, but it begins once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? 
little pictures of Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. But he used, Nehemiah and God in his kingdom today uses people of Israel. They were different. They were so different. If you just look at our campuses, we're so different. Coastal's so different. God is bring, God likes the, the, the mosaic. He likes the different pieces. He likes the different variety, different multi-generational. He likes the young and the old and every kind of socioeconomic, I mean, every different culture. I could take you to different churches all over the world and they're proclaiming Jesus is Lord all over the world. And it's so incredible because you're like, this is what heaven's gonna be like. I'm excited. And Nehemiah used everyone from different neighborhoods, different cities. Nothing was beneath any of them except the Toikaites or whatever, Tekaites. They wouldn't stoop to serve their Lord. God uses whatever they could do and whoever they were to accomplish the mission. Don't say, I have nothing to offer God. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, and you're still alive, so you have value. And it's value for the kingdom because he has something for you to do still. So don't disqualify yourself. Oh, I did this in my past, or I had this. Look, everybody's got a past. Everybody, and you know what? It stinks. It's horrible. But the question is, is that, gonna, is that keeping you paralyzed from doing everything that God has called you to do? Or are you going to say, God, give me my part of the wall? Give me my part. What, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling my family to do? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says he gave some, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, the pastors, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So Nehemiah didn't own the whole wall. He broke it down for the different families, just as God has taken the church and broken it down for all of us to be a part our pastor's given us a vision and we look at this and we say, man, how in the world did they build this wall in 52 days? They did it because there was a bite-sized vision for everybody to be a part of. We, we've been, man, the issue now is, is the vision's been laid out or what are we gonna do to be a part of it? Well, I don't have anything. Man, we give to what we love. What do you love? Number three, and this is the last thing, and, and, and I'm done. There's so many good things, and I don't have time to get into it, and I wish I could just take it, is the people of Israel built the gate and the wall in 52 days together, and God used people in 52 days to accomplish a mess that took 150 years to make. It's amazing when God's people get together to do something and the speed in which it happens. When God is in it, it happens. When he's not, it doesn't. Is God not sovereign, right? 
But I tell you this, we're better together when we come together to do what the God wants us to do. We accomplish incredible things. I think some of us here would think, man, we can't ignore the mess of the brokenness of our world and not do something. What are we going to do? We look at the education and everybody rails on the education. Well, let's, let's help. Let's, let's see a transformation in the education. What about a Christian school district? That's competing against all of the public school teams and praying after every game and inviting them to pray, to be evangelists. Like think outside of your little world and go, okay, God, give me something bigger. This visioning, this vision that Pastor Sean gave us could be a little too narrow. God might want to do something even bigger. Are you ready for it? I'm praying for it. And it's not that I don't believe in public education, because I do. My daughter's in public education. Some of you serve here in, in public education. It's all of it. Let me close with this. We're better together. The worship team's going to come. And I just want to read some stats this year of what God has done through the generosity at Coastal. And, and, and we're limited and only by the resources. We're not really limited by them because if it's God's will, once again, it's God's bill. This year... We gave over $10,000 to help renovate a blessing center for the widows in Jordan. In Hungary, we gave $7,000 to help build out a kids' ministry area for a brand new church. In Zimbabwe, we gave $5,000 to help build a new roof for the church. In Haiti, we gave $1,000 to help with their school. In Poland, we gave over $2,000 to help with their kids' ministry. In Ukraine, we've given over $7,000 3,000 of that was to help buy a car for chaplains to continue their ministry on the front lines of the war. In Thailand, we've given over $3,000 on top of the $6,000 that we give to the orphans that we support through the local churches there to help four churches. This year, we've given $60,000 to TTI to plant and start and train 20 new pastors with 20 new churches. We've given $60,000 to our local missions partners to help feed the peninsula, help the hurting, and care for the widows. All while starting a Williamsburg campus in August and Battery Park in January. I'm excited. Some churches don't spend a lifetime and do that. We've done that in a year. Not even, the year's not even up. I'm excited for what God's going to do. And so my, my question to you and my challenge is, if you need prayer, there'll be people up here that would love to, to, to pray with you. But here's the question. What, is, what part does God want you to play in it? What are you going to do? Are you going to pray about it? My wife and I are praying about it. What are we going to do? Got to be a part. It's not about putting names on buildings because I could give a rip about that. 
It's about every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne worshiping God and looking and recognizing that the investments that we made here on this earth have eternal consequences forever and ever and ever. I don't want to be at the end of my life like Oscar Schindler at the end of Schindler's List when he's saying, I could have sold this ring, I could have sold this car, I could have done, I could have saved more lives. And not to say that we save anybody's life, but the fact is that God has given us resources to be able to go reach people. And the question is, what are we doing with those resources? I talked to a friend of mine, he was 49 years, this was years ago, and he said he was talking to his mentor, and he was 49 years old, and he was going to retire in a year. He had made more money than he could spend in his lifetime. And he says, I'm just going to retire and just enjoy the rest of my life. And this mentor looked at him and he said, no, you're not. And he was like, what? And he says, no, you have a gift at making money and you're going to support every ministry and church that God's going to bring on your path for the next 20 years. And to date, he's given millions away. God has given him that gift to fund ministry. Now, here's the deal. That's not all of us. But some of us are thinking retirement or some of us are thinking other things. God's not done with you. That's why you're still breathing. It's time for us to come together and say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to give, I'm in. Because I love you. There's nothing I want to hold back from you. I want to see the gospel redeem people. Don't you? Come be a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of it. Just be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for every person here. I pray that you would change us, conform us in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.